What's going on, guys? Uh, headed into spring break. Uh, if you guys are on the same schedule as us, uh, hopefully you're traveling, getting to do something with your family. If you've got those uh, 12-hour long rides like I'm about to have, uh, hopefully you guys can listen to the podcast, uh, maybe make it a little bit less weary of the travel, and then when you guys get there, you guys can have a blast with your family. Um, if you're not traveling or you just need a little bit more football in there, you can head over to our website, runthepower.com, check out all of our premium videos. Uh, we just put up uh, the first dojo video this just this last week. Uh, we also put up a new special teams, so there's plenty of stuff for you guys to see. Uh, and again, make sure you head over, listen to uh, the podcast as you guys go out and enjoy your spring breaks. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Guardian Caps. Do you have linemen? Are their helmets getting scuffed up during inside run period? If so, there's a way to protect those shells and reduce the repetitive blows your guys are taking during the week. Guardian Caps reduces 20 to 33% of the impact, really focusing on those big guys in the trenches, like we coach. Worn by Clemson, Texas, Oklahoma, Washington, Virginia, 150 other colleges, and over 1,500 high schools across the country, including mine at Broken Arrow and Coach Walls in Ankeny. They are currently running an early bird promo. It's an unbelievable uh, price for them right now. 40 caps for $2,000 uh, with 10 of them for free, plus 10 free. So you get 10 free ones as well. Check them out in our free show uh, in our show notes or go to guardiansports.com slash football. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by our guys over at Just Play. The team at Just Play hooked us up with their product, as you guys know, uh, and it's been a game changer for us. If you've seen us on Twitter or uh, have talked to us about this at all, we obviously especially love the playbook tools that allow us to create our favorite blocking schemes, as you guys know, power, counter, inside zone, pin and pull, uh, and formations, so we can save time and be more productive. That's the biggest part. Saves time on defenses, saves time on, on inputting offensive uh, formations, and then easy to draw the play out. Just Play is a limited time offer for RTP listeners only. Get my Just Play Pro for $120, which is an unbelievable $60 off the normal list price. Uh, this offer has been extended uh, and won't last forever. You can get this deal at JustPlaySolutions.com slash RTP. The best playbook tool on the market at JustPlaySolutions.com slash RTP. Don't wait. Go do it today. On this episode of RTP, we talk with Ryan Lucchese. Coach Lucchese is the defensive coordinator at two-time defending state champion Muskego High School in Muskego, Wisconsin. Listen as we talk with Coach about his 3-3 stack defense and how it has led them to the past two state championships in Wisconsin. You can follow Coach Lucchese on Twitter at Coach Luke, which is L-U-C-C-H. Hope you guys enjoy. Yeah, uh, Ryan Lucchese here, uh, Muskego High School, uh, Wisconsin. Um, you know, I've been here for six years. Um, you know, for me, it really started, uh, I, you know, I grew up, I'm Wisconsin born and raised. I grew up in West Dallas, Wisconsin, uh, which is West Milwaukee, uh, essentially. So I've always been a been in, in the city or the urban setting or close to it at least. Um, you know, played, played youth sports, football, baseball, basketball, played it up all throughout youth and in middle school and in high school. Um, always loved football, though. Uh, football was always always kind of the big love for me, um, you know. And I think in high school, I probably realized right until I was about 16, you know, I probably realized, probably sophomore high school, kind of understood, like, you know, I think 
I think coach is what I want to do. Um, I don't think there was a notebook that I had from that moment on and all through college, but it wasn't filled up with X's and O's and different ideas <laughs> and diagrams and things like that. So uh, I don't know if I was the best student, but, uh, you know, I was for sure always kind of daydreaming in some capacity or another about football. Um, you know, so I, I went to West South Central High School. Uh, there's two high schools in our city, and our, actually our head coach at Muskego High School is Ken Krause, and he was the head coach at West Dallas Central uh, at the time. And, um, you know, for background's sake, you know, in 2003, 2004, he took West Dallas Central to the state quarterfinals or the final eight, uh, and which, which is rare air. And I'm so rare that that, that school hasn't been in the playoffs since, uh, since he left in 2005. Um, so, you know, it was, it, was, it was easy for me to want to go there and play for him. And I played for him and through my sophomore year. And, and then he left and came out to Muskego uh, where he has been really ever since, where I am now. Um, but I went on, obviously graduated from West South Central. I played for two different head coaches after that. So in three years of RC football, I played for three different head coaches. Um, so I think I got, a, I got a great lesson in, you know, humility. Uh, as I tell you, we weren't very good. Um, but I got a great lesson in what makes a great program and, and really what doesn't uh, at a young age. So I was, you know, whether I knew it or not that I was getting that lesson at that time, uh, reflecting back on it, you know, it, it really does. And, um, you know, I was a kid, I think, I think like most states, Wisconsin, you have to qualify to make the playoffs, um, you know, and in reality, that's the only, you know, in Wisconsin sports, that's the only sport where you have to qualify to get a regional game or a level one game, you know, is football. So as a high school athlete, I never competed in the state football playoffs. So it's something I use today to keep our kids here at Muskego. Uh, humble, you know, and thankful for each opportunity they get. You know, we, we get to that level one game, and we've been fortunate to be a really successful program and usually get a one or two seed now, you know, in our brackets. And, and we usually, you know, I've been using that to, to keep our kids kind of driven, but also that perspective. Guys, there's, there's thousands of kids around the country that are turning their stuff in right now, you know, and that don't get this opportunity. So, you know, thankfully I was kind of able to learn that. Uh, definitely didn't feel like that, you know, when you're getting your teeth kicked in in high school. Uh, that's right <laughs> but but it uh you definitely learn more from the losses you guys know probably than you do the wins um went on uw lacrosse wisconsin lacrosse uh play had a cup of coffee there as a player and to realize really just the financial situation i needed to work you know i worked really five to six almost seven days a week just kind of serving and bartending uh had to make the money and and, and just kind of fell in love with coaching started coaching baseball um throughout okay and when I was coaching baseball, I was really started at 18. So I got a chance to start at a really, really young age, uh, which was huge for me. Um, you know, and I was able to kind of help out my alma mater during the summers with football. But it was never anything super long term. Um, but, it, but it was enough. So I kind of got my feet wet coaching really at 18, 19. Um, you know, and here we are really 10 years later. Um, and... Throughout that process of lacrosse, just I like to tell people I got three degrees and I went to lacrosse. I graduated with history and special education and then football. <laughs> I mean, there were there were days I'd go to the library and I would do nothing besides football for seven to nine hours. And, you know, again, I'm probably broadcasting my, my inability to be a great student on this podcast. But, um, you it's know, okay, it, coach, we've all been there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. So good enough just, to graduate. Right, That's right, right. You know, I was good enough, good enough to graduate, and um, and at least you know it was just something I've always just been passionate about. So, 
really kind of sunk my teeth in different resources and building the foundation for what I thought I wanted to do in terms of program development and weight room and offense, defense, and all those different things, specials. So um, when it came time to student teach, you know, I was able to take advantage of an opportunity to get back in the Milwaukee area. And I called Coach Krause uh, like January before, you know, that next fall. And, you know, the after, hey, how you doing? How's your family? The next thing was, well, hey, you want to coach? You know, and obviously that was the reason I was calling him and a little he know and we were able to set that up. So the 2014 season would have been my first year here at Muskego High School in Wisconsin. Um, you know, I, I actually coached exclusively on the offensive side that year. Um, and, you know, so it's been six years since, you know, and we were fortunate enough to, to win a conference championship that first year, uh, first one in 18 years, and we did it again the next year. And, you know, the last the six years here, we've been in the playoffs five times. And obviously, you know, it's really been rolling here the last three as 17 we went to the state semifinals. And then uh, it's culminated the last two years here in 2018, 2019, you know, going 14-0 and winning the Division One state championships. So um, it's been a heck of a journey. It, it, it feels a lot longer than it really has, um, but, it, but it's sure been fun. Coach, I'm kind of interested. What do you think? Uh, because I'm kind of in the same boat. Mm -hmm. uh, when I was in college, I had not head coaches, but I went through four different offensive linemen, offensive line coaches yep. my five years there. Yep. So I, I kind of understand, but kind of curious, what did you, what'd you take from that? Or, or how was that changing head coaches every year? You know, I always kind of, um, it was unfortunate for me, but I kind of, the good part was, by my second year, I learned, you know, at least at college, how much of a business it was mm -hmm. uh, and kind of, you know, and, and maybe uh, I'm a little more skeptical than, than others, but kind of learned, you know, when I get a new guy that comes in and talks about family, 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 and how I'm their, I'm their family, and then they leave the next year, I kind of, I like to believe I can kind of see through some things right. um, at, at this point. But, you know, also I benefited tremendously because I kind of never got to, sink into the like okay this coach knows me I can kind of coast this spring I mean it was it was a a fight for my job it seemed like you know every single week every single spring ball every single fall camp because this new offensive line coach doesn't know me maybe this new head coach doesn't maybe our, our new offense coordinator doesn't know me so uh, what was maybe what were some things you took away or some struggles or some things that you went through going through three different head coaches yeah, I think – so what was a little unique being in high school is actually all three of the guys were on staff when I first started as a freshman and a sophomore. You know, they were all guys who coached at the school. Um, you know, so I, the the biggest difference was just seeing the slight culture changes that each tried to implement. Um, you know, and I think each – you know, kind of in the, like your scenario, you try to – every hood coach I think, tries to put their own spin on it, on the culture – on the family and then those different aspects. And, you know, when it's, when it's so sudden, you know, the coach, you know, my freshman year, our sophomore year, excuse me, the junior year, I mean, that head coach left in June, you know, so you're talking here in the summer, you know, and you got to get an interim guy really in place when the season's about to get ready to start with contact days and whatnot, you know, really late July, you know, so you're kind of scrapping to put things together. So that uncertainty, I think more than anything was probably the most challenging part because, um, you know, you sit there as high schoolers and then, you know, going into your junior, senior year, the, the guy who you played for as a junior is, is out. And then you go through this, you know, this hiring process where you're kind of kept in the dark as a high school kid and, and probably a college kid, you know, where, where you, you might hear through the grapevine that so-and-so is interviewed and 
so-and-so was offered, but they said, no, and you, you don't, you never know what's true and what's not. And um, I just, I think the hardest part is I miss the stability, um, you know, and so high school wasn't as business oriented as I, I know college is, and I'm sure it was for you and your situation, you know, but we, seeing what we have here in the situation, I've been in the six years and the staff camaraderie and consistency and the continuity, you know, that we've had, you know, we just didn't have. Uh, and that was just by far the biggest challenge uh, for sure. Coach, what were some of your biggest influences? I know it, it, when you were telling the story about, you know, being in the library and supposed to be studying, I, that, that was me. You know, I, I, I do, you know, four minutes of math and, and 56 minutes of looking at online at football stuff and studying football things. Mm -hmm. uh, when I was in college, knowing I was going to be a coach, um, what were some of the resources and things and, and maybe, you know, some of, some of your early influences and, and what you were kind of drawn to as, a, as an up-and-coming coach? Yep. So, I mean, there's, there's so much online and, and honestly, there's even more now. I mean, with the podcast you guys got running here and, and there's just a handful of other online clinics and databases. Back then, Excellent O-Labs was one of the first big ones. Um, got heavy, heavily introduced in Excellent O-Labs pretty early. Uh, was always delving through that. Um, coach Hoover, I think it was Coach Hoover.blogspot has i think it's barry hoover he he's got one that has a handful of different manuals and resources and templates that you know i used to dig through i love the 425 you know originally i used to love digging through gary patterson's stuff at tcu and they had that all over the place so that was big um they had a lot of stuff on the urban meyer offense you know dating back to the utah and then the florida years and um so those are you know some of the specific schematic you know guys um Blitzology, you know, was another one, and what what I and you know, which was huge. Smart Football was an, was another website. You know, you know those ones. What was cool too, what I appreciated was each one of those sites basically had a link to other resources. You know, and a lot of them it was just it was just like you know you're a kid in a candy store and you couldn't get enough. Um, you know, so those are some of the big ones. At least as an online source that at least when I was in college that really really helped. Um, you know, once I got on my feet here at Mosquito and really got established in the staff, um, there's no bigger influence, at least on myself as a defensive mind, than uh, Chad Hetlett out of Glenbard West in Illinois. Um, you know, he, I think he was the fastest head coach to 100 wins in Illinois state history, and he's won a couple state championships and big classifications in Illinois. And, and he's kind of taught me the 3-3, the way that he's running for 20-some years, and and there's not really any bigger influence that I've had, at least as, as a defensive coach, um, you know, he's so far to this point in my career. So, Coach, I, I know you're, you know, defensive coach now, but you started your first year as an offensive coach. Is that uh, when you were studying, were you, were you more drawn to the defensive side of the ball, uh, I would assume, or, or were you looking through uh, some offensive things as well? How was that? Uh, obviously, you don't know the exact percentage, but what was that, what was that kind of divvying up or – or how interested were you with one way or the other um, when yeah. you were really studying? For sure. No, that's a great question. I honestly it was probably a little more offense. You know, I think the innovation and the things that were taking place at that time were so fascinating to me and, and seeing and a lot of that at that time it was tempo, you know, the Gus Malzahn stuff really took off and how he was using that fast pace with, with some wing T principles, which is what I played in and our, our, our offense still runs here to this day. You know, but doing it out of the gun, that stuff was fascinating to me. Um, coaching the quarterback position was, was a big interest to me uh, as well. And just like, you know, the pre-snap process, you know, was a big was a big area that I like to focus on for QBs. And 
Um, what it all did, and there was obviously a lot of defense sprinkled in, but what it, where I would encourage a young coach, and I'm, I'm only 28, where it's just <laughs> is the more time you put on both sides, it's the better understanding you're going to get of your own side. You know, and, and I think one goal I've always tried to make a point is, you know, I, every offseason, yeah, there's, there's a defensive things I want to learn from. Yeah, but I, I want to know now as a defensive coordinator, what are what's the big offensive trends? You know, what are the remedies? What are the, you know, the, the stimuluses and responses, you know, that, that offensive coaches are looking for? And what's the next fat? You know, and, and how do you stay ahead? And, and, and I just think back then just – Studying heavily on the offensive side really gave me an insight into defensive structure. It helped with kind of coaching disguise with, you know, with different pieces up front, but also on the back end. And, um, you know, I can't say enough kind of about that training. Coach, so, man, uh, I got to ask you a little bit about, <laughs> it seems to me, you know, when you, you watch Wisconsin football and obviously you think about University of Wisconsin, but I mean, does, does every school just have six, six, 330 pound guys? <laughs> Not every, but it does seem pretty common. Um, I, I, I'll tell you this. If the ones that are in the state do seem to end up at UW, you know, with, if Wisconsin does a great job with recruiting in state, it's for sure making sure that those linemen stay home. And um, there are big boys, though. There's no doubt, uh, especially like, you know, we play here in the Class Gate Conference, which is widely considered a, the most competitive statewide. And it's, it's Waukesha County. And you got a lot of, a lot of programs that are healthy and, they got big boys, um, you know, every week we'll play at least one, you know, we, you know, Kettle Moraine has a kid that's going to Wisconsin, six, seven, three twenty, is Trey Wedig. And, you know, was a four-star kid played down in the army all-American games. So it, uh, they do seem to be bred up here. That, that's for sure, man. Coach, you mentioned, you know, your guys' offense, uh, I believe, you know, wing T uh, still at this point um, does, does what your offense is doing uh, and, and how they plan on, uh, going about their business, if you will, does that play any impact on how you are going to treat or call a defense? Um, you know, maybe maybe it's not a fair question if that's all you guys have, have ran the past few years. But um, you know, there's there's guys that uh, you know get to play that are defensive coaches on the other side of teams that might chew the clock a little more, and then there's defense coordinators that are going to be on the other side of a of a Gus Malzahn or of a uh, you know, Dana Holgerson, where you're going to have to play a lot of defensive snaps. Does that change your thought process going into the game at all, depending on what your offense is doing? It hasn't a ton, to be honest. You know, I think in the back of my mind here, what I'll say is I, as a defensive coach, what I love about us being a heavy wing team, and we're, when I say wing team, we, the, the, the percentages are probably 90% run to pass. I mean, we, we line up and our podcast will probably run the belly. You know, it'd be belly, belly, jet sweep, you know, belly, belly, belly sweep kind of thing. And, and, and what I love is we get to sell to our program that it's going to be a physical game. It's going to be a violent game. And, and we're going to line up and punch you on both sides of the ball. And, and that part I just love as a coach, especially defensive coach. And I love it. The part that I do love is, is analyzing, did I have any two-way guys? You know, we're a full two platoon, so we don't have any kids that play on both ways. Um, you know, offensively, defensively, at least. And anytime I know an opponent does and they got a kid who's going to play some offense somewhere that also has to get hit and punched in the mouth repeatedly by our offense, you know, that's definitely something that gives me some confidence, uh, no question. Um, the other piece is, you know, people hear, oh, you run, 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 run. You think you bleed the clock and shorten the game. 
I mean, if you were to check, if you were to watch any of our games, you'd realize it's almost just the opposite. I mean, we're, we're a big play offense. I mean, it's, there's a lot of times our offense is on the field for four, five, six play stops, you know, because they're hitting some home runs. And we've been fortunate to have, have some pretty explosive running backs who just got out on the perimeter on some of our sweep actions and, and have just taken things to the house. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it definitely, I think the mindset of the physicality is something that I love and appreciate. Um, but I don't go into it thinking, you know, hey, we're going to bleed the clock or anything like that necessarily. Um, but, but just love that, that we play in a physical style. And I think we're able to sell that to the kids as a mindset thing. Coach, I'm at a, a pretty large high school or the largest one in, in Oklahoma. And so the, the biggest thing uh, that, that we always have the internal, not argument, but uh, – discussion is the whole two platoon you know mm -hmm. do we fully two platoon do we have some kids play both ways um how does practice look if we do have some of those kids play both ways and and it seems like we change our minds you know maybe every year and it might depend on the certain kids or what we've got that year but um with going two platoon how do you guys decide or plan on who's playing what position and are they playing that position from freshman on or uh, is there a process that you guys do during the spring where the young ones play both ways? Or how do you guys go about deciding uh, who's working offense and who's working defense? Because I'm sure there's some guys that, that the offense has that you guys would love to have. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, that's a great question. And, and those, those conversations are fun. Um, and they're definitely part of the offseason process. You know, for us, like our, our freshman team, you know, we usually numbers are healthy enough where we have two teams, you know, a freshman, uh, red and a black. And technically, it's an A and a B type situation, but we encourage those dudes to start 20 to 22 kids. And but they most of those freshmen will learn both sides of the ball um, and will play. You know, maybe they'll start on one side and rotate on the other um, on those two separate freshman teams at that level. Uh, I think that helps because it, it gives those coaches and then our or, you know, the varsity JV coaches who attend those games and a chance to evaluate um, as a small measure early. And then actually tomorrow night, we're actually meeting uh, with our freshman staff. We'll go through their entire roster or the kids that are current ninth graders who, you know, will inherit because from the JV through varsity is who we practice with together. So it's all really our, our 10th through 12th graders, unless we've got a couple of freshmen that are on the JV. Um, and we'll sit down with those freshman guys, kind of pick their brains on where they think this kid best fits. Um, there's times that we think, yeah, that's a great fit. There's times that we may see something different just based on what we've seen at, you know, the off-season uh, strength and, and conditioning and the speed agility pieces, um, you know. And I also think those are – <laughs> there are moments where, you know, us as varsity-level coaches, we, we disagree, and then we have to have those conversations. And, and they're candid and they're open about, hey, this is – you know, if, if we're talking about what's best for the program and eventually getting our best 22 on the field, you know, on Friday nights, you know, we, we have to have these conversations and, and we're going to have to share and we're going to have to do some things like that. You know, and, um, you know, one example is, you know, our, you know, my free safety right now, Hunter Wohler is, you know, one of the highly rated, more highly recruit, rated recruits in not just the state, but really nationally. And yeah, I mean, Coach Krause would love to have him play some running back on the offense and I'm sure he would do a heck of a job. Uh, just, you know, the reality of it is we've, we've really committed to a full two platoon approach here and, and, and it's been working for us. And I think, I think it's helped us build depth, too. I think that's the other underrated aspect of it. You know, you get to have those challenging conversations. But 
because our numbers are healthy, you know, and our weight program is healthy, you know, we're able to to have at least guys that are next in certain positions. And with all the reps that they get on one side of the ball and all the coaching and the drills and the film and all of those different opportunities, I think, help build these kids up to where if, you know, injuries do happen to your top kid, you know, all those reps make that next kid serviceable enough to make it work. Um, so, you know, those conversations are great, but I think going flow to platoon and then all the reps that we were able to give our kids on each side has, has paid off you know, and built up for us, you know, for now and for, for years to come, hopefully. Coach, is that – you talk about the personnel meetings you guys have. Is that one of the reasons why you've, you've gone to the 3-3? The three, three, you kind of have more of those kids walking the halls and, and, and playing, you know, linebacker types? Or is that something that's like, you know what, I just, I just really believe in this system? Yeah, it's uh, – so in 2014 when I coached all offense, actually the defense at the time had just gone to the 3-3. Three, three, and that offseason – uh, going into 2015, our defensive coach coordinator at the time approached me and said, hey, I know you have some defensive acumen in you. You know, I'd like to structure some things with you. And I actually, that next year, coached on both sides. I kind of floated when I could offensively and then really coached the majority of the practice defensively and was integral in, like, the game prep process, the designing of our system and calls and coverages and all those different pieces. So, um you know, I looked at 2015 and 16, really, but in 2015 is also when I was able to meet, you know, Coach Headlett, and that was where I, you know, I, I really hung my hat on the 3-3 and the different components that I learned, and so it, it's become something that is is really what I know and and believe in wholeheartedly. Um, do I think we have a lot of guys that fit that, you know, that stack linebackers, you know, strong safety type build? Yeah, for sure. So I think that plays a part in it. Um, but, you know, we no doubt, too, could, could easily play a forefront if we wanted to because I do think we have enough lineman-type bodies around. It's just uh, – I, I think speed kills. Um, and I think getting as, getting as fast as you can on the field is, is a good thing for you, uh, really in all sports, but especially football. And I think that's why we've hung our hat on a 3-3. Coach, assuming you guys have, you know, seven-on-seven seven during practice, or, or some kind of pass route, pass scale in practice, and then uh, also have, you know, team uh, and, and then inside run as well. Uh, how do you guys set that up? I'm curious. I mean, are you guys running inside at the same time? Um, you know, we've this past couple of years tried to stagger it so, so our twos can go with the offense and then they can go service the defense as well. Um, but – you know, we're, we're trying to obviously find the best way to, to do it. And so we've started staggering all of it, team and inside. But at times, that, that kind of gets long. So how do you guys uh, structure your practice around inside as far as when the offense is doing it and when the defense is doing it? Yeah, I love it. So we actually, when we get out to practice, it really starts with film and weights. Uh, if you're an offensive kid, you're with your offensive coaches. If you're a defensive kid, you're their defensive coaches. And there's really no interlap. Um, you know, so you go down to our practice field – you know, our offense will be on one side and our defense will be on the other. And, you know, so our you know, practice will start with the specials, and which is really 95% our defensive kids. Um, the only special team really that our offensive kids are on is, is our PAT extra point um, field goal. Um, or we may have a running back or two, you know, returning kicks on kick return. But other than that, um, it's basically exclusively defensive kids and all specials. Um, so we, we service ourselves. So when we get to – inside run and Skelly, you know, throughout the regular season, um, we're able to stagger 
our inside run and our Pascal E7 on seven, if you will, whatever the verbiage is, um, in the same session. So let's say we have a 20 minute window scripted. And again, because we're fortunate with numbers, you know, we go everything but color groups. So our red group is our ones, our black group is our twos, our white is our threes, our gray is our fours. Now the white gray, a lot of that is your JV, um, you know, or just some extra bodies. Um, you know, but you, but you feel really good, hopefully, about your red and your black. That's your ones and your twos. So the way we started is our red and our black start with Pascali, um, with two or three of our defensive coaches. And then I myself, I'm, I coach the defensive line as well. And then uh, our inside linebacker coach take the white and the gray. So technically our threes and fours, if you will, and we're at inside run. Um, so, you know, and we'll get – and we got 20 minutes scripted, so we'll go 10 and 10. And we get 10 minutes, you know, or if it's seven plays that day, seven plays to the script, fast pace, everybody gets their reps, everybody gets coached, boom, transition and flip. Red and the black transition over to inside run where I am, the white and the gray depart where I went to over to some of our other coaches um, to work on their Pascali, you know, the seven-on-seven seven piece. So that's how we service one another. Um, you know, we call the win team, you know, that's a scout team. Um, you know, and I, and that's it's something I adopted again. I don't know that I've ever had an original idea, but you know, the reality is we don't win without those guys. So, you know, one of the most common questions I get, I think we get when we say that we don't ever practice with the offense. Well, how do you generate a look, you know, is, it's just trying to create that mindset, trying to incentivize it. You know, we film the heck out of practice, especially when it gets the team, you know, and, you know, for team, for example, when, when the red group is up with their reps, that's our ones, you know, we got two huddles wrong. We got a black group and a white group and those 11 are set and we're rolling and it's, it's a fast pace. Um, and we just try to go, 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 go. And, and when it's on the film, you know, we get an opportunity to coach those kids on the win team too. And, and I think it's important that we highlight the kids that are given a great look. We try to recognize before we break, you know, Hey, let's have a one, two, three clap, you know, for who gave a good look today. You know, who's given a championship look and those iron sharpens iron type ideas and conversations uh, we try to have all the time. But uh, that also leads into some opportunities for correction. You know, your grade and your team film like, you know, you get to look at the pulling guard. Hey, guys, is this a, is this a high hat? Is this an effective pull? You know, are you actually running your route right here and are you making anybody better? You know, so um, it's constantly selling it and it's selling it to the every day is an evaluation. You know, you guys, you guys showing up and, and practicing hard now, you might be the next guy up or you're the next guy up, you know, in a year or two from now. So, you know, th this all matters and just selling it to them that everything matters. I think is one of the better things that we do practice wise for us. Well, I think it's cool, uh, obviously, or also how you guys split that up that, that, you know, you get to work with, um the threes and or you know the whites and grays mm -hmm. not just the the blacks and reds mm -hmm. i mean that that's to me you know you, you want to coach everybody but if if it's not set up um to where to where you work that way or, or some other creative ways it's really easy to those kids don't get coached by you as much and now there's just no way to develop them uh, as good as as they need to be developed Right, and that's, you know, Coach, Coach Dominowski is our linebackers coach. He's been doing this for 40 years, and he, he looks at me every single day at inside run, and he goes, our JV should never lose a game. <laughs> you know, he says they, they get more reps than any JV in the country. <laughs> and, and, and we love it because, again, you know, as you just said, Coach, we get a chance to coach those kids, to see their reps, to make sure that they know that they're valued, you know. And, 
um, and that they know what's going on. You know, in, in the back of your mind as a coach, are those kids maybe ever going to play a big-time varsity snap? You don't know. There's a chance no. <laughs> but, you know, you never know how kids develop either. But it's just I think it's a great way to incentivize it all and just make sure every kid knows that, you know, if you're part of the program, you got a purpose and, and we're going to coach you because that's what we owe you. Yeah, I, I like the, the the mindset too. You're talking about. I mean, winning breeds winning. Your JV team's winning. Your freshman teams are winning. I don't care if it's a B game and you know an eighth grade C game. You want to win as many games as you can. I just think that that mentality, like like you're saying, and everyone's going to get coached and everyone's going to win and everyone's going to going to know what to do. That that just that to me, that's when the the program just kind of takes care of itself. It starts just rolling. Absolutely, coach. I was going to ask you a little bit about. Um, uh, offensively then, so I was going to ask you, offensively, do they do the same thing then? I know it's probably a little bit more difficult, you know, trying to field five offensive linemen. Do they have four uh, look teams or are they a little bit different? They, so this past year they had three. I know that they, so Coach Krause adopted our head coach and he's our offensive coordinator. He, they adopted the color group or color, you know, kind of structure uh, as well. And I think they had three solid groups of 11. Um, and they would go through it that way. Um, and, and, you know, when the, when the red group was up, wherever their ones were, you know, they, they would have a set 11 as their win team, and it would usually kind of rotate like that um, on that side of the ball as well, for sure. So um, and they do some different things, you know, unique practice-wise. I'm not always over there, but um, so I don't know the exact details of it necessarily, but um, they do use that color rule piece. You know, they do try to incentivize it and make sure that they're getting the best look on their win teams, you know, as best as possible. And they definitely do a great job trying to sell it to those kids and making sure that they know that they're important. Um, and, and it's on, and it's, again, it's on film. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm thinking you guys are filming practice at least team and, you know, we'll, we'll have coaches that come in here and, and they'll ask me, you know, what, what's the big key to success? And I'm filming film practice. You know, and there's some that, oh, we don't do that. And I'm just, well, you got to film team, in my opinion. You know, with it's 2020 now and the technology we got these days, you know, you got to find a way to get that camera up, get team film, you know, note it up, grade it out, get it to those kids and watch it the next day. Because at the end of the day, it's about us, um, you know, and, and we got to make sure we're getting better. So we got to coach everybody out there. Man, I couldn't agree more, Coach. I mean, there's so uh, we're lucky we get to to film almost everything, and we up till we can we can film most of our indie work. But um, it, it's nice because I I see just how many things I miss in practice uh, when you're watching film. I mean, so many little points that that were super important that I didn't notice in practice. You know, yeah. but you get to go watch film, you get a butt shot of it. Uh, we we got to where this year. Uh, we were getting uh, a GoPro and putting it on a, a big paint stick and sticking it right behind our, our line. Uh, and so we got a great butt shot this year, and it was awesome. I mean, we always got a butt shot uh, in practice, but it was just never really good. And so now we have this GoPro on a paint stick, and we get to bring it around everywhere with the offensive line. And so uh, we get an unbelievable picture with it, and it just makes you so much better as a group being able to go back through there, like you said, grade it out, make some playlists for the kids and then uh, cut through the ones that they need to see uh, to get those guys better. Yeah, man. I love it. I mean, it, it, it's huge. Uh, if we didn't do it, I don't know. You know, I think we would just be doing a disservice to ourselves really. Coach, do you guys work with the offense line at all like uh pass pro or uh, working double teams or it's all just with your defensive guys? Yeah. It's just defensive guys. Uh, 
you know, and that's really been that way um, for the six years that I've been here. Um, and I, I think a lot of teams think, you know, the guy culture, look at it like, man, that's nuts. And, and it, it might be unique and it's just kind of the way it's rolled for us. Um, but I, what, what I love about it is the opportunity to sell it to your position groups, you know, the defensive line specifically, like guys, you know, it's, it's on us to make sure that we're getting each other ready for the looks that we're going to see period and there's there's no other gray area and it's just you know we have to make each other better that's the opportunity we have so we better execute it you find your guys too you know I think you know again you, you've talked about it when you understood the offensive side better you obviously were, were going to be you know better on, on the defensive side do you find that too you'll you'll see your guys when they learn you know some of the offensive positions and running some of those routes you know and, and learning some of the offensive line techniques and blocking schemes that now there's probably a little bit more carryover in the, in the learning of, okay, here's how we stop this. Here's how I defeat double teams, you know, fighting across guys' face on down blocks, whatever it might be because of that cross training. For sure. I, yeah, absolutely. I think, I think the two areas you kind of hit on were, were block defeat, um, but also alignment. We, we put a huge emphasis on those two things, you know, so I think, I think, you know, we play a lot of head up games, um, but we'll, we'll play just enough shade, you know, to where I think, seeing those differences both coming off as the guy who's simulating an offensive look and the guy taking the defensive rep you know you really get a good feel uh what that looks like and what that could look like on the other side you know from that kind of cross training uh, so i definitely think that's beneficial but you know we do a lot of different things just based on numbers to make sure we're aligned correctly um you know aligning the win is a really common phrase for us and you know so our kids i think when they see an offensive structure kind of come out well automatically you see the football IQ start to spark up like, Hey, is this, is this a certain call that we, we would slide a half gap to, you know, or whatnot. So I think being able to, to just simulate that look for each other has made those two areas, you know, really help our kids out quite a bit, especially mentally. Coach, when I think of three, three stack, you know, I, I, I think, you know, obviously the six in the box, you've got two high safeties, two corners, and then a, a down safety kind of to, to the strength. Um, and, and maybe I'm sure there's a thousand different ways to do it. Just the, the few times that I've seen it is kind of in my head, the mm -hmm. way I think of it. How do you guys uh, treat, treat it when you start getting, you know, a, a 20 personnel look or a, a, a look where, you know, the strength can, can easily switch back and forth? Are you guys uh, going to roll all three safeties as your guy? Uh, how do you guys kind of work with that when, when the strength changes? Yeah, so, I mean, we're just talking 20. So, the reality, I mean, we're a field boundary defense. Um, so, our guys, we won't have anybody flip based on where a tight end is or a sniffer or all the numbers or anything like that up front. Um, you know, we, we got a defensive end and a stack, an outside linebacker and a corner, really, that all play, you know, to the field when the ball's on a hash. And we have a defensive end, a stack linebacker, an outside backer, and a corner who all play to the boundary. And then, really, our, our nose, our mic, and our free safety are always in the middle of the field. Um, so, you know, for us, we're, we're truly at 3-3 where it's almost, our, you know, we call them outside linebackers. Our, our hybrids are overhang kids. You know, if we have a detached number two, for example, a, you know, a twin look, you know, that kid is one by seven over that number two. Uh, one yard inside, about seven yards depth. Mm. Uh, with, with a middle safety, you know, our free safety, we play 90% cover three in the last two years. You know, and, and our free safety is usually with his toes at about 10, free snap, and, and he's a middle-of-the-field player. Um, but, 
you know, so we won't, we won't necessarily spend if, if, you know, 20 personnel looks, you just have that, that outside linebacker that overhang to the single side, you know, his alignment likely won't be at seven yards of depth, but you know, maybe he's four by five, you know, so he, he might be a hair tighter. Um, but, but we do some things generally with those kids that are kind of game plan or formation specific. Um, but hopefully that'll kind of give you an insight into just the base structure. You know, we're, our base is a four zero four up front, you know, so we like to be head up those tackles in the center and then we're directly stacked right behind with those linebackers, you know, so really 24s and a 20, you know, if you will, with the middle linebacker. So coach, how much time do you spend with your guys? Like you said, you, you want to be able to recognize formation and, and get them all in the right, um, in the right positions. Uh, but there's, I would assume some offenses that have, you know, whatever, 30 different formations. I don't, oh, yeah. I don't know how many. Um, and so there's, I'm sure a fine line between showing them everything uh, and then overloading them with with information. How do you try to go about sifting through that? And and how much time do you spend on you know some unbalanced looks or um, you know some of the weird formations that might be out there? Keep it simple, man. I mean, to me, simple equals fast. Or you know, same as means you're going to play fast. So um, you know where our kids' eyes start. You know, really their base technique is going to really be the same. You know, it's no secret. Like, we're reading the guards. You know, our stack linebackers are going to have their eyes on their guard, and that's going to be in Wisconsin. We only get five contact days, you know, so that's going to be taught in July and hopefully executed all the way through mid-November. We get a chance to go play at Camp Randall, you know, and, and that consistency is just, just being same as, you know, is the one example there just to hopefully create a situation to play fast. Because we will play those teams. You get through the scout, oh, they got 34 different formations. So, you know, when the rules are consistent, your kids know how to line up, um, and you don't have to go through it all. Because you definitely – everybody needs to avoid paralysis by analysis. I think we all know that. Um, there's the unbalanced pieces. You know, if we got to tackle over, you know, there's usually a certain rule. You know, usually we're sliding that direction. Um, you know, we got quads, you know, we're going four by one empty, you know, well, there's usually a certain overcall, you know, and, and certain checks on the back end, you know, so I think those, there's certain special formations, you know, I think the unbalanced, the empties of the world, you know, are those uh, trips bunch, depending where it is, you know, is, is the fun bunch a tight bunch? Is it a wide bunch? You know, and how do you have to align? So I think it's, it's that happy medium of just knowing your base rules fit within the opponent's formations, but then is there certain formations that you need to make sure you adjust to to make sure you're sound numerically pre-snap. Um, that's the biggest probably technique. I, would say, I mean, alignment's everything to us if, if I haven't driven that home yet where, like, <laughs> we – and I think this goes back to some of the offensive studying is I just – you know, I, I know everyone loves to count. You know, and the reality is, like, you know, we're going to make sure that, that we're aligning correctly so we try to minimize, neutralize, or completely take away, you know, your, the perceived count, you know, of an offense pre-snap. Hmm. That's really – that's, that's uh, you know, the, this year has been a weird year for me and, and kind of looking into, man, what makes teams actually win? What makes them lose? Are, are some of the little things that we look at, are those actually important? Are they not? And, and kind of the, the biggest thing I can rack my brain around is, is it's almost like those teams that make the least mistakes don't lose it. Uh, you got to have the talent, but the teams that have the talent and and that don't screw it up for themselves seem to be the teams that that win. Uh, and a lot of it comes down to me, you know, aligning correctly on defense uh, so they don't have any obvious advantage. And then on offense, 
um, you know, blocking the correct people, no run throughs, no obvious, um, you know, busts uh, and, or fumbles. And, and a lot of times that that'll win uh, a lot of big games for you. If you've got the, if you've got the kids. Yes, sir. Well, and you just hit on the head. I mean, I knew where you were going with it once you kind of started. You know, defensively, if you're not aligned correctly, I mean, that ball can go to the house real quickly, <laughs> you know. And, and I, I think explosive plays, you know, that's one thing I look at. Explosive plays is specifically explosive play touchdowns. You know, if you're letting the play go 60, 65, 70 to the house, uh, you know, you're, you're not helping yourself defensively. And that, that's a momentum play that's pretty tough to come back from, you know. So I, I think that's why we probably play such an emphasis on alignment is because – if, if we're lined up correctly and structured the correct way, you know, and we'll, we'll at least give ourselves a chance, we hope. And then hopefully we're talented enough to just physically make the plays where we need to make them. That was what I was going to ask, Coach. I know you, you've talked about alignment and you talked about block defeat. Well, then now, now it comes down to, you know, making the play. So to me, it's the, it's the two T's, you know, tackling and then forcing turnovers. Mm -hmm. So what are some things that you guys do to, to help your guys or drill, you know, finishing those plays with the tackle or even better finishing with the turnover. Yep. So um, that's it. I mean, tackles and takeaways, and that's what you got to do. I mean, it was defeating blocks, tackle, take away. You know, those are, I think, and then play with great effort and pursue, I think, are the, the, you know, the biggest fundamentals to a defense. And, you know, tackling, I think we do a really good job of doing it the right way in practice. I'll tell you, we don't go to the ground. You know, if we're going to go to the ground, it's usually on a crash mat. Um, you know, so we try to teach tackling a, a fundamental and safe way we focus a lot on eye discipline but also the, our footwork you know when we strike and, and where our hips need to be and I think a lot of that even starts with how we want our kids to finish in that broken down kind of power position really in speed agility you know throughout the off season into the summer um, you know so our tackle takeaway circuit you know we'll go through you know a variety of different tackling scenarios you know you know where we just we rep those different you know device tackle the sideline you know, have to work and teach the gator role and those different pieces. And I, I just think equipping your kids with that really helps us be sound in the different scenarios that you're going to see in-game. Um, and then the takeaway piece, I think, is you can rep it, and then you have to create the mindset and the culture. I think, you know, you just – you have to make sure you incentivize it. You know, get it. I know everyone likes the chain or whatever. You know, we, we just got a takeaway board, and our kids get, get the ball. You know, they're coming off the field, and they're writing their name on a board, I think you know, or the number, excuse me, you know, on a board. So incentivizing it that way, um, you know, we try to emphasize, you know, the second guy in stuff, punching and ripping. Um, one area of research for me this offseason is, you know, you watch these college NFL games, you see it seems like every time these guys are making a tackle, they're also punching simultaneously. Um, and I don't know if that's just because they're freaks, you know, at that level. Uh, I'm assuming that's part of it, but – I feel like there's a coaching point to it that could that could be somewhat sound. Um, so that's an area of interest for me. But the other piece I think is a little unique is uh, when the ball's on the ground, that loose change mentality. Anytime the ball's in the ground in practice, you know, or a game, we want our kids picking it up. And I think right there is an opportunity for at least that one kid to rep a scoop and score scenario. Um, so anytime you turn on our tape, and we'll highlight it and note it, we'll highlight it and celebrate it right in practice or on the game tape, you know, whether it was a dead ball or not, we'll just – the whole process of breaking down, picking that ball up. And, you know, ironically enough, it paid off. And, you know, the, the one score we had in the state championship game this year was, was we had a sack, a strip sack, and a scooping score. We took the ball back 65 yards to the house. And it was kind of the deciding score of the second half. And, and I attribute that to just the amount of reps and 
emphasis that we put on making sure if that ball is on the ground, you pick it up. Man, that is so cool getting to see that on film too, isn't it? I mean, something that you've worked all year and maybe it had, I'm sure it happened a few times where you guys got a few turnovers in the year, but then the biggest game of the whole year and, and the thing that you've worked every single day on, man, now it changes the game. Yeah, yes, sir. I mean, that's the stuff you dream about as a coach, right? <laughs> that's exactly right. I mean, you, you work on those little details. You just want them to show up. And if they show up in the biggest stages, man, that's, you know, that's when you just you got to sit back and be proud. So, Coach, I'm, I'm kind of uh, curious personnel-wise. Um, mm-hmm. So, how are you setting up who your nose and who your defensive ends are? Uh, I mean, are you going for the big, uh, you know, plugger at nose, kill the center, or is he going to be a quicker guy? And then uh, how are you differentiating between – if a guy's an outside linebacker or if he's that outside safety. I, I can't remember what you called those guys, but if he's one of the, the, the walk-up outside guys, how are you differentiating those two things? Mm-hmm. So up front with the D-line, um, we've had more the nose. The nose, we've had more of the bigger kids. Um, I'll tell you this. We like athletes all over the place, as I think anybody does. But I think the more athletic, the, bigger, the better. But our nose has usually been our heaviest of the D-linemen, uh, a little more physically stout. You know, like you said, get after that center, but also to be able to fight through that double team and fight through pressure, really hold that play side A gap is, is a big piece there um, for that position. You know, our defensive ends, um, again, love athleticism. You know, I think I think the, the longer and rangier is definitely is definitely exciting. But the reality is, you know, we coach those kids up to get off the ball and strike what's in front of them um, and then, re, you know, react accordingly to how they're taught. Um, you know, we're really uh, – those six in the box are really responsible for C-gap to C-gap. You know, so there's a lot of gap exchange with our defensive ends and the stack linebackers behind them. Um, you know, so that's kind of the way we look at it up front. I mean, you, you just got to be – you got to be disciplined, but you got to be willing to get off the ball and strike what's in front of you, be able to be violent with your hands, you know, and then just have a relentless motor from there, uh, which I think any coach, especially in the defensive line, you know, is emphasizing. But – you know, with our linebackers, you know, our stack linebackers, guys stacked offside, you know, behind our defensive ends, if you guys are with me, um, mm-hmm. you know, those guys, they're, they're not a whole lot different between those two guys and a middle linebacker, to be honest. Um, if I'm talking personnel, you know, ideally to me, and the way I was taught with this is, you know, 1A and 1B, or hopefully your two best football players are your middle linebacker and your free safety. And the way I've been taught and have, you know, taught it to others and instruct and tell guys when they want to talk defense is the two kids that you got with the best noses for football, put them at middle linebacker, put them at free safety, you know, and, and then kind of go from there. But um, back to those stack linebackers, you know, they're, they're, they're your tough kids. You're, you know, usually your typical linebacker types, you know, where, where football is now, I think you got to be able to run and play in space a little bit um, and be able to, you know, work and wall off and do some things. But, but they also got to be, you know, physically stout enough to come downhill, you know, and, and, and take on take on pullers and blow up ISO type looks and, and those different pieces. So, you know, those guys are it's you like the physical bunch, you know, that can run a little bit. Um, you know, our outside linebackers, what we call our overhangs or those hybrid safeties, if you will. Um, you know, those guys are they, they're asked to do quite a bit. You know, they'll, they'll blitz from time to time. But. You know, they're, the ball's going to spill to them. They're forced players. You know, they're kind of de-gap fits, if you will, when the ball bounces to them. Um, but then they're asked to do a lot of different things in coverage in terms of rerouting two and rerouting vertical routes to protect the seams with how many, you know, cover three we play. Um, so you got to have a kid who, 
you know, can is athletic enough to kind of strike and, and fly out to different directions, but but also physical enough to to attack that line of scrimmage, um, you know, and help kind of set a violent edge. Coach, is that something where you know you, you you're all you are you know knowing you got double overhangs, you're trying to funnel everything then to you know your Mike linebacker and and the free safety being an alley runner type guy, yeah. or your yeah. guy that's trying to kind of bounce it to your your hybrid guys. What, what's kind of the the philosophy overall, you know, hey, I want to I want to get the ball to my my two best playmakers and let them go make plays. Yeah, so with the four up stuff, you know, I think that's you know that's everybody's kind of answer, if you will, or you know, to where the cover three structurally can be weak. So you know, with with a detached number two, is let's say we got twins on both sides, we got a two by two look. You know, both our our hybrid safeties, our outside linebackers, we call are one by seven, and they they got a check Z tech. They're, so their responsibility, they get a pass key. If number two is pushing vertical, looks like he's running the seam. They are popping their feet, and they're looking to knock that route out. If they can knock him to the ground, great. If not, they're looking to pinball inside, right? And the stack linebacker inside of them, the kid who's directly behind that defensive end, mm-hmm. you know, his, his base rule is two to one on a pass coverage, you know? So and we don't, we don't uh, spot drop. We, we pattern read. So we, we don't – the terms like hook, curl, flat, middle hole, all those things, they don't exist in our verbiage. They're never said to our kids. Um, do they end up there? Yes, but they hopefully, hopefully end up there when, you know, a pattern is there, you know, so we eliminate the guarding of grass. So those, so those outside guys are trying to funnel in two to one, you know, so our stack knows, hey, if two is vertical, you know, he's going to be rerouted inside to me, and hopefully those guys are pinballing that kid before our outside linebacker sprints with, you know, under number one or to match something which would be in that flat area, you know, or eventually get depth if there's no threat to him. Coach, here, here in Oklahoma and, and down in Texas, you know, with, with the colleges running what they do in our states, you see a lot of 11, 10 personnel, up-tempo, throw the ball around a bunch, and, and quite a bit of 20 as well now. Um, with, you know, the big school in Wisconsin being Wisconsin and, and how they run the ball and, and how their offense is set up, uh, do you guys and, – and obviously with the, the large – human beings that you guys have there. Do you guys see uh, more of that type of offense, or do you still uh, – I guess, what's the offense that you see the most of um, in that area? Yeah, so I would say five, six years ago, it was a lot of 10 personnel, two-by-two, three-by-one stuff, which still definitely is common. Um, that's as common, and if I remember correct, you know, with the breakdown we did, the, the 20 personnel, what's been really common really the last two – three-ish years, but the last two especially, is, you know, some type of twin split and, you know, with the sniffer and the H-back or a wing, you know, it's either offset or he's to the twins, he's to the single side and those different components. And then, you know, with with a back either in, in the gun or this year in 2019, we saw more pistol. Pistol seemed to be the common uh, trend, um, at least in 2019. Um, but, you know, like you said, the 10 and the 20 personnel groupings are the biggest ones. Um, a lot of two-by-two, two, a lot of three-by-one, but then 20 and then just varying where they play that H-back sniffer type kid um, are the most common. And then occasionally you get the tight end. Um, but up by us, at least right now, uh, most of those schools that use that inline tight end, like your true Y player, um, you know, are usually kind of, t- I don't want to say tip in their hand, but tendencies are shown, you know, they're, that kid's in line to do something, and it's usually blocked. 
What about so so when they do go twenty and and I think we're going to be a little more twenty this year, even though um, uh, I've always been kind of against it because everybody does it. Yeah. Uh, so I think the defenses see it all the time, but it, it does give you some some things that you can um, you know I guess do technically. Uh, is that something that you guys are are trying to be really aware of where his alignment is um, as far as is he is he inside the tackle is he outside the tackle what's his depth. Uh, is that something that you guys look at or, or not really? Absolutely. Uh, there, there's a couple schools um, where that kid's alignment told the story, um, that H-back player. Um, you know, if he was inside the tackle or even tighter, you know, it tipped you. Our kids would be screaming, hey, hey, ISO, ISO, power, power. You know, it was he was either coming right at you or, he, you know, when a guard was pulling or it was straight ISO um, to where if he was outside that tackle, it was – you know, so so there's definitely that piece, you know, we, we try to find, you know, during the game plan process. Um, the best schools hide it, you know, and, and don't. Um, but, uh, but I definitely think that that's definitely a component. Um, we've gone, we've seen a lot of stuff with just that quick H out stuff and, and they're blocking on the perimeters, you know, so you got that sniffer set to the twin side and one and two are just immediately stock blocking and and that that H back who's your number three is running just a quick out. We've seen that quick dump quite a bit, um, you know. And then we've seen a lot of play action looks where that H is coming across, but under the formation, you know, for some play action wrinkles. And um, it's just what that's done for us is just make sure if they have an H that we're making a call, you know. So we're just gonna hey, Hank, 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 you know. And our kids are just screaming, hey, Hank, right, Hank, right, just letting each other know that he's there. And then that's just kind of a pre-snap alert. Coach, what are some of the things that, you know, you, you have to really be cognizant of when you, you play that much cover three? I mean, obviously you guys probably kind of start with, you know, four verticals tends to be, you know, what, what everyone wants to, to roll with. What, what are some other things that you, you know, I, I always thought, you know, when, you, when, you, when, you, when I'm teaching coverages, you know, we teach them some of, quote, the, the weaknesses of the coverage. But then again, obviously the defense, if they're very, very well coached, too, they know the weaknesses of the coverage as well. So, what are some of the things that you're kind of doing with them to, uh, you know, show them or teach them and let them know, here's how you guys are probably going to get attacked. Here's how we need to match these things. Yep, absolutely. So it starts, you know, the, the Z-Tech piece with those, those overhangs on a number two, you know, against any vertical uh, stuff up the scene, that's huge. And just the philosophy of ending routes uh, is big, you know, um, there's times it probably looks like we're cheating, and quite frankly, we probably are. Uh, you know, we're gonna we're gonna grab you, and before the ball's in the air, it's still within the rules that we can get our hands on you. So, you know, we're gonna try to take advantage of that. Um, so that's a big piece. Um, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent, it's gonna continue. Um, you know, so, so there's that component, but I think just the pattern matching philosophy in general uh, helps our kids because it helps them just pre-snap identify where their threat is, and then once they get a pass key get their eyes to that work. And, you know, for example, if my key is two to one and I get a high hat, boom, I'm driving. I get my eyes on two and two is early out and away from me. You know, I know I don't need to chase necessarily if I'm a stack linebacker, right? And I can, I can then, where's one? You know, one, the likelihood is one's coming to me, right? And if he's not, and he's vertical, then it's probably about getting depth, keeping my head on a swivel and seeing if there's any type of crossers coming. Um, you know, the perceived flat area, you know, is, is something that, you know, generally we can be late to. We just are, and, and we're kind of okay with that. Um, you know, we, you know, we can. there's different wrinkles we can put in there, but it's just getting those kids to understand that you got to protect the vertical first and then make everything go east and west. And we're a big east – we try to spill the run and the pass. 
honestly. And we want the run to go east and west, and we want the pass to go long and wide. Um, and we feel if we do that, we can kind of run you down. But and we and we again go back to what we talked earlier, just limit the explosive. Um, you know, and, and I think the other piece is playing a lot of cover three for your corners is just is getting them comfortable with the read to speed pedal. You know, I, I just think, you know, you see a lot of corners, you turn on tape, we're playing at eight, nine, ten yards, and they're flying out. You know, we're, we're trying to coach our guys. I got a coach, you know, and that drives me nuts. You know, I got a, a coach who's a huge, huge mentor of mine, Pat Cerrone of BW Ashkash, and he'll, 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 he'll colorfully tell me, you're not playing cover three, you're playing cover one, you know, with our corners because they're starting at five yards and they're working a reed pedal to a speed pedal if, if they feel that's necessary before they're opening. So that reed to speed pedal is huge, you know, and then obviously working your cover three divider stuff as a corner. So, you know, I think, I think those little things are all really, really big. But uh, I can't say enough about that read to speed piece for your corners and helping maintain, you know, some controlled aggression um, and still being disciplined, you know, out there on the perimeter. So, Coach, there's, you know, right now in Oklahoma especially, there's a lot of, in, in college or just the college that we get to see here, there's a lot of teams running, you know, the GT counter. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they're running it against, you know, stack or, or a 3-4, but they're running it and they're reading that four technique. And yep. I've never understood you know, how that guy doesn't always make the play. Uh, it, so uh, I'm just kind of curious if you guys see that or, or if that is something that you guys see at all, what are you, what are, what are you guys teaching that in that's getting the pulling tackle away from him? Yeah. So to this point, we've always followed it. You know, his base rule from day one is if he gets a pulling tackle, he's getting that hip and he's following it. So, you know, by all intents and purposes, if the, if the ball is handed off to the running back and is given to the GT side, you know, we'd like to think that he's, he's going to be in position to be relevant and hopefully make a play. Um, you know, I do know some teams, like you said, read that. Um, but that's where that backside stack linebacker, you know, in, in theory for us is and should be as the quarterback player. Um, you know, so, so that's kind of the way we've done it. Um, I will tell you that, you know, we do have like a back pocket wrinkle where we think if, if that's not working for us, you know, we'll just kind of blitz that D end. You know, he gets a pull. He's just going to blitz the QB mesh. <laughs> um, if, if we need, you know, and I think that's more so if the QB is the biggest run threat. Like if the, mm. if the QB is the guy that you really don't want the ball to be in his hands, then that's kind of the wrinkle in the adjustment, which which I'm sure you guys have probably seen. Well, that's what that's really was kind of my question. I don't, and and I by no means do I understand defense, but uh, fully. But I, I always see that, and and a lot of times I see at the college level that the end is kind of uh, re, you know reading it almost. He's sitting there and patting his feet, and it's almost like they could give it or keep it, and he's not going to make the play. But no one's touching him. No, I mean it seems like he could just sprint right at the blow up the mesh. But mm-hmm. you know, like I said, what do I know? That's all. That's why I wanted to ask you. Yeah, I mean, ideally, it's get off and go. I mean, and play fast. You know, I don't believe there's a lot of kids we don't need thinking on any side of the football field, but we don't need our defensive ends thinking. Um, our defensive ends are not road scholars, you know, so we got to keep it simple and color coordinated and just let them go because if if they're thinking, we're in trouble. Coach, how much has the uh, the RPO you know affected you guys, or how much have you had to kind of you know maybe change up some of the things you do as far as you know, uh, linebacker reads, slowing things down on the backside, especially if you're getting, you know, some gap reads. You know, what, what are some things you're doing maybe to defend RPO, or is that something you guys haven't really had to worry much about? No, it definitely is. I mean, it's here, uh, and it's tough. I mean, I'll tell you what, if I coached offense, I'd tell you there's no doubt in my mind that there'd be, there'd be some built-in package plays, 
and, and RPO concepts in it. There's no question. So, cause it's tough. Um, I think the big thing, there, there's certain tells um, when we know we're going to get that type of team. Um, sometimes the back being offset is, is one of them. Um, and that, that narrows it down of really where that ball in theory can be pulled either by their QB on a run or QB on a pass. You know, so we've made different pre-snap alerts, just like I said, the Hank alert with the H. You know, we've given a, a Jimmy Jimmy call, you know, if the back is to us. And, and we just give the kids a stupid word and they run with it. And, um, you know, that just lets them know, hey, back my way. You know, we're playing RPOs type school this week. You know, if I'm, especially if I'm an overhang, you know, I may have to really make sure that that ball's given, you know, when I see that mesh point. Um, you know, even though I got a run key, you know, for our stacks and coach, I mean, this, that's still probably one of the number one areas where I'm picking the brains of some of my mentors and other guys. And, um, is, you know, when, when our guys, for those six guys in the box, we're really kind of cutting them loose. Um, you know, those, there's some rare situations. I think, I think one answer to the gap scheme stuff that you talked is, is reducing our ends in into either four eyes or just true threes just go three zero three across the front and that will automatically put our stacks in c gap fits in theory for us you know so i think that helps clear the picture and allow those kids to play fast you know through what could be a muddy read um you know would be kind of a simple cost effective adjustment or wrinkle that still allows our kids to play fast well, Coach, kind of, kind of rolling up on. Go ahead, Walls. Do you have a question? Is I was something just say, to say? No, I was just saying, man. I, I love it. That's uh, to me. That's smart. Putting them in C gap to me is the, the, uh, the way to do it. Yeah, I appreciate that. Well, Coach, rolling up on an hour now. I know you've had a long day uh, with with uh, uh, some school going on late, late into the uh, wee night of the hours. But uh, before I let you go, before I let you go, the thing I always like to ask guys is uh, when you're watching another team's offensive line. What's some things they'd be doing that make you think highly of their offensive line coach? Man, nastiness, dude. I'm telling you, I uh, and because I coach the defensive line, that's that's what I'm looking at the most. And um, it makes me think highly when nobody's tipping anything, because you know there, you can find that when nobody's tipping run pass, nobody's tipping direction. Um, but when you see, I just think the nastiness, and you see guys leg the leg drive. Um, and just block into the echo of the whistle. Uh, that that makes you know I, I love that, and I, I think that's that's just good, clean, hard football. You know, so that makes me think highly of the offensive line, offensive line coach. Um, other thing I'm always impressed at is, is just the combo blocks. You know, the, the you'll see those teams, you know, who they may double down on your center and or your nose, excuse me, with that center and that guard, and then have the wherewithal and the ability to to get off that and still get a piece of a second level player. Um, you know, if we're ever facing a school that's, that's, that can do that, you know, we're usually in for a big-time challenge. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to, again, thank all of our sponsors. You guys, make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it will allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at runthepower. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.